Please be seated. We're working our way through the Ten Commandments in our evening service. We come to number nine. Uh, do not bear false testimony. That's prayers we come to consider God's word together. Lord, may the light of your spirit illumine your word. Give us understanding and lead us and guide us into all truth, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Mexico this year, back in August, two innocent men were burned to death. Uh, They were killed by a violent mob when rumours were spread via social media on WhatsApp that they were child kidnappers. They'd gone into town to, to get some building supplies. There was some kind of altercation with the residents. They were arrested, uh, brought into the town jail. Word spread that these were uh, the child kidnappers who'd been responsible for abducting and, and killing and dismembering children in the region. Uh, and the crowd gathered, uh, dragged them out of the prison, broke into the prison, dragged them out, beat them up, and set them on fire. And you can see the crowd kind of holding up phones and taking pictures. Uh, and the flames as they were watching what was going on. Um, Horrifically, uh, the mother of one of the men wasn't there, but she watched the whole thing being uh, uh, streamed live on Facebook. Um, She still can't believe what happened, how a murderous mob was swept up in a lie. Why didn't they check, she said. No children were kidnapped. No one filed a formal complaint. It was fake news, she said. Jose Gil, the Deputy Minister for Information and Cyber Intelligence in Mexico City, says social media can really alter a community through the spread of false information that many of us perceive as truthful because it's being sent by people we trust. Society really needs to evaluate what is true and what is false and decide what is trustworthy and what is not. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, the the Old Testament scholar, says, when truth-telling is compromised, society is reduced to barbarism. You see, by and large, people believe what they want to believe, which is why so many political leaders get away with telling barefaced lies. And people believe what they want to believe because we like to be proved right. We like to feel that, you know, truth is on our side. Changing your mind is costly. Admitting that you've got something wrong is extremely difficult to do. So the natural tendency is to kind of shut your eyes, close your mind, grit your teeth, and get on with it. I I must be in the right. 
When we hear something we want to believe, we are naturally inclined to accept it as true. When we hear something that doesn't conform to our own preconceived ideas, well, we'd rather not believe that was true. And so you get the whole intransigence on every side over the, the Brexit question that we're wrestling with at the moment. When it comes to weighing truth, when it comes to to trying to discern fake news, we need to have a healthy dose of self-awareness so that we know actually what's my own predisposed bias inclining me to believe, to believe here? You know, what do I want to believe? How is that affecting my perception of what is going on? And it also means that as far as possible we have a duty, a responsibility to check things at source. Don't believe whatever you hear. Don't believe whatever you read on social media or online on the internet. If X tells you something about Y and you don't like the sound of it, check it out with Y before you set any store by it. And if X is willing to say where this story about Y came from, then really you need to treat what is being said with a healthy dose of scepticism. Sometimes rumours spread because they sound so plausible and people pass on information that they believe to be true, but in actual fact, when you look into what is being said, there is no substance to it at all. And that happens as much in churches as it does anywhere else. And when you look at the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. More literally, it talks about bringing before a court of law a testimony about your neighbour which is empty, worthless, false, deceitful or unreal. What is, what is said, when you pick it apart and look into it, you find it's vacuous. There is no substance to it at all, no basis in fact. It's all too easy to, to run someone else down when they're not there to defend themselves. And I, it's a good principle, I think, not to talk about anybody else to a third party before you've had a conversation with the person concerned. Or in actual fact, if you're talking to the third party about somebody else, you are talking with them about how you can have that difficult conversation with the person you're talking about. But if you're talking about somebody... It should always be about somebody that you are talking to as well. Otherwise, it easily becomes harmful. That's why Jesus said, if your brother or sister does something wrong, your first response should be to go and have it out with them one-to-one and see if you can resolve the issue between you. Only then, only then if that doesn't work, you go and talk to somebody else and take them with you to have a second conversation with the person concerned. And only then, having had two goes, if they don't listen to you, do you start to tell other people in the church. But because it's not easy to have difficult conversations face-to-face with people if you have issues with them, the temptation is always to skip the first two steps and just talk about them to, to other people. And straight away... Such a move reduces the potential for reconciliation because people don't like other people talking about you behind their back. And it takes an important step down the road towards escalating the issue into a conflict because you are trying to get people on your side and then it becomes divisive. 
Talking about somebody else in their absence without their knowledge or consent also looks and feels a bit like gossip, particularly if it's a, a casual or unconstrained conversation about other people which involves details which are not confirmed as true. And gossip has always spread like wildfire and the use of social media, copying lots of people into emails, blind copying lots of people into emails, it, it means it spreads even more quickly, even further. And its capacity to damage and destroy people's lives is enhanced. Where gossiping is damaging as well as untrue, it becomes slander, uh, which defames somebody else's character, blackening their name, giving someone a bad reputation, dragging them through the mud. And good reputations which have been established over decades can be ruined overnight, very quickly, very easily. Can't help thinking of, of Cliff Richard in this particular case, whose life was torn apart as a result of an accusation of sexual abuse, which ultimately was found to be without foundation. And although he's since been vindicated, it's clear he will never be the same person again. Now, the matter needed to be investigated, clearly, but what was wrong about the process was that the fact that the first he knew of the accusation was when he watched on live news police searching his home with the rest of the world, seeing what was going on. And quite rightly, that was deemed to be an invasion of his privacy. And his good name was damaged because a single accusation instantly became the subject of intense media scrutiny and speculation. As the old proverb says, a lie will make it halfway around the world while truth is still putting on its boots. And it's never been more true than it is today. The Bible takes this kind of behaviour very seriously. It contravenes the ninth commandment, which, which prohibits bearing false witness against your neighbour. Paul puts gossip, slander, on the same level as sexual immorality, and greed, idolatry, getting drunk, or swindling people out of money, have nothing to do with people who behave like that, he tells the church in Corinth. And in Ephesians 4.29, we find a, a, a Paul saying, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Unwholesome talk is talk that's rotten or worthless, of poor quality, that is of little or no value and may even be damaging or harmful to its listeners or to the people that we're talking about. Instead, he says, only say what is helpful for building other people up according to their needs so that it might benefit those who, are li who listen. So, unpacking that. Is what we're going to say positive? Literally, does it impart grace? Does it benefit the people that we hear or the people that we're talking about? What effect are these words going to have? Um, is it something the person I'm talking about is going to be glad to hear? Uh, if not, then I need to think very, very carefully before I say it. Um, is it going to be constructive? If, if there are issues that need difficult things being spoken about, is what I'm saying and how I'm going to say it going to enable people to find a way through the issue uh, that's being addressed. Um, 
If it's a complaint about somebody else, and let's face it, we all wind each other up sometimes, from time to time. How much time do I spend talking about them to somebody else? How much time do I spend praying for them to God? That's a good test, actually. Because if we're grumbling without praying, we are definitely gossiping and running people down. And we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. Because we are called, actually, within church to relationships of trust. And that means walking in the light with each other. We are relational beings, and the core currency for successful relationships is trust. Without trust, there are no relationships. And lies or gossip undermine that trust. For trust to grow, we need to be both trustworthy and trusting. Uh, We need to be prepared to trust what other people say to us. There's a presumption of honesty on their part. And we need need to be trustworthy in terms of the honesty of what we say. So when we speak, we need to weigh and choose our words with care. Bearing in mind that Jesus said, By your words you will be vindicated, and by your words you will be condemned. We will be judged for every careless word we utter. So when we speak, we need to be careful that we speak the truth in a way that builds others up. And when we listen, we need to weigh what we hear with care as well, sifting all the time for truth. Proverbs 25 says, Someone who gives false testimony against their neighbour is like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow. The wounds inflicted by words may not be physical, but they can fester in someone's soul and memory for the rest of their lives, causing lasting hurt and damage. Recognise the power that there is in words for good as well as for evil. We need to be careful what we say, because once it's said, however much we regret it or apologise for it, it can never be unsaid again. But the same chapter from Proverbs has positive things to say about our words and the impact they can have on those we talk to and those we talk about. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In other words, it's not something you find very often. And it doesn't happen by accident. It's a work of craftsmanship. So when we have something to say, let's choose our words with care. Let's be slow to speak, even slower to become angry. Speaking the truth in love with grace doesn't come easily. And if we can't do it, well, maybe sometimes it's better just to keep silent. But if we can do it, then our words can be like apples of gold in settings of silver and they are things of great beauty and value and precious. If we can find words that someone will treasure and store up in their heart to their good, then let's speak them. If that will not be the effect of our words, then let's keep them to ourselves. But then Proverbs 25 continues, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold, is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. 
In other words, there is scope for having those difficult conversations. There is scope for saying something that perhaps someone doesn't necessarily want to hear. Because we are called to walk together and to watch over each other. And sometimes that can mean taking someone to to one side and having a difficult conversation with them. Because we all get it wrong through ignorance, weakness or sheer pig-headedness. In actual fact, there are times when we need someone to take us to one side and say, have you thought about what's going on here? For those words to be heard, the person we're talking to needs to be prepared to listen. And in many ways, their readiness to listen will depend upon the kind of relationship we have with them. But notice that these are words spoken only in the hearing of the person concerned. Spoken in the ear of the person who's being addressed. Then it's like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold. A couple of verses later again we read that through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Well, we will see how much patience is exercised in persuading rulers at the moment in our country. But I don't hear too many gentle words being spoken. But there is virtue in gentle, patient persuasion, such that even rulers can be influenced by words. And there is sufficient power and strength in a gentle word to break a bone. So our words, actually, can make all the difference in the world. So choose your words with care. Think about what you say. Think about what you hear. Those of you who are church members right, remember the church meeting 18 months ago, I talked about using the word THINK as an acronym about how we say and what we say. Five fundamental questions. Is it true? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it impartial? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Five things to think about before we speak. And and five things to think about as we weigh what is said to us as well. Is it true? Do I need to suspend judgment on this while I check it out a little bit? Is it helpful? Or is it damaging? Is it impartial? Or can I I see some personal bias at work here? Is it necessary? Why is this person talking to me about that person? What's the motive? What's the agenda? Is it kind? Or does it feel like it's malicious? How much store do we set by stuff like this? So we need to consider the effect of our conversations. Going back to St Paul again. Is what is said and is how it is said good for building others up or pulling them apart? Will we be better people for having had this conversation? More literally, Paul says, will our words impart grace to those who are listening? Empty words are at best worthless at worst harmful. But good words, good words are full of meaning, full of truth, full of love, full of grace. And get this, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So what we say reveals what is in our hearts. And are our hearts full of, of anger and hatred and strife? If so, we need to ask God to empty our hearts of the anger and the fear and the bitterness and fill them with his spirit, the spirit of truth, love and grace and mercy. So that when we speak, people might hear the spirit of God speaking through us in terms of what we say and in terms of how we say it. And when that happens, it really is a precious thing. It's a bit like apples of gold in a setting of silver, as Proverbs puts it so well. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the hurt that we have experienced through what other people have said to us or said about us. Lord, pour your healing and your grace into our lives. And where there is still hurt or anger, would you release us from that? And help us to release them and forgive them. And Lord, where we have caused pain to others by the things that we've said to their face. And we've all been there, we've all done it. Lord, forgive us. And bring healing into the lives whom we've hurt, we pray. And when we've said stuff about other people that we shouldn't have done, Lord, forgive us. And clear their name. Lord, in, in our worship, we've thought about your faithfulness, the truth of your words. Plant your faithfulness deep within our hearts, we pray that as you are true, we might be true as well. That as you are gracious, we might be gracious. That as you are merciful, we might be merciful. Lord, where our hearts are broken or twisted or distorted, pour your spirit into us. Heal us. Change us to make us more like you. So that when we speak, it's your word that we speak in terms of what we say and how we say it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.